0: Oda, 30 feet away, jumper in the air. He's got it! has won it for Rhode Island! In traffic, off-balance shot. back down! Jared Terrell and Rhode Island has done it in the final five seconds on a circus shot from Jared Terrell. A career-high night for him and a victory for Rhode Island. up, Dutton. run up. Look out.
1: look out! for Serrano Langevin! Oh, steal by Fats Russell off of Young. Three. Oh! (laughs) Oh! Don't do it to him like that, Fats. Dribbles into the forecourt. Iverson going up. He dunks it home as the buzzer's found. And Rhodey, the 8-10 champs. Hello, Rhodey Nation, and welcome to a super episode of the Rhodey Baseline. That's right. It's Super Bowl week. And another amazing episode of the Roadie Baseline coming at you. Join me and my amazing co-host Gary as we take you through an amazing week of topics and a special interview later in this episode. Right, Gary?
0: Yeah, we got a a super, super exciting episode. A lot happier episode than how uh, you, all right, took care of... uh business this week, but we're gonna get into that later in the show. Uh but yes, a super packed episode of Roadie Baseline. Make sure to follow us Facebook.com slash roadie baseline. Also on Twitter at baseline And also make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five star review. Uh we take those reviews very seriously. We got a lot of them already so thank you to everyone who's already done so. Uh, but Make sure to subscribe and like our pages on Facebook and Twitter uh, to keep up with the latest roadie news. But, yes, two games uh, for URI this week, two tough games uh, against Dayton and VCU. We'll start out with the uh, URI Rams playing Dayton, a a tough game that we already knew was going to be from the beginning, right, Andrew?
1: Absolutely, and not for nothing, Gary. If it was a one-half game, probably the best game URI would have played all year. But, unfortunately, in college basketball, you have to play two halves, you have to play 40 minutes, and you or I did not do that. They played a great, a great first half. I'm shocked with how well they played in that first half. They got out to a, I think they led by much as like 12 or 15 points in that first half. They ended up only leading by three at the half, and then Dayton went on a 13-0 run in the second half and took control of that game. And... Boy, was that second half ugly. Yep, definitely ugly. Uh, probably the worst 12 minutes that your eyes
0: played all year. Uh, a couple missed shots with the turnover, two, and then a halftime lead turned into a Dayton blowout that ended up closing out 67-56 with a final score, which is just terrible, terrible all around. Yeah,
1: and one big thing that we do need to put into people's minds about this. I don't know. It probably isn't a good excuse, but the fact that Fats Russell only played, he Fats Russell only played 19 minutes in this game, barely played in the second half. He was one of six from the field, one of four from the three. He rolled his ankle in the first half and he just didn't look right the rest of the way. He tried to gut his way through it. Got to give him props, but Fats Russell just did not look like Fats Russell and you got to think that that took the sales out of the team at some point. But hats off to them playing a great first half. Mikael Mitchell and Jeremy Shepard were doing everything they, can, they could have done to will this team to victory, but unfortunately it wasn't enough. Jalen Crutcher, they were able to keep quiet in the first half, but went off in the second half. He had some timely baskets, had all 15 of his points in the second half. Ibby Watson played an incredible game the entire game. I mean, twenty two points, four of eight from the three, nine for fourteen from the field. Jalen Crutcher and Ibby Watson didn't take a minute off in the game. Those two wanted it more than URI. And you could tell and damn, Jalen Crutcher and Ibby Watson, if they can get that team going, they're gonna be a scary team come March. Yeah,
0: URI had a had a tough a uh, tough time after halftime until the under eight Timeout. You're right. Went two for 19 from the floor, turned over the ball five times and changing that, you know, converting the lead into a 54 to 38 deficit in the second half, which is just terrible. And, and I think that it hurts more when you realize how well that they played in that first half.
1: And that's really what is the, what's the dagger in everything. I was, I was pleasantly surprised with how well that they played in that first half. They were moving the ball. They weren't turning over the ball. Like, URI total for the game only had 11 turnovers. That's probably the best the best turnover margin that they had. And you said that they had five turnovers in that 12 minutes. So you're telling me the rest of the game they only had six turnovers? You have six turnovers the rest of that game. Odds are you're going to win. Another stat that is perfect relevance of what happened and how this game turned in the second half, they shot 13 of 30 in the first half and 8 of 26 in the second half. For whatever reason... And, like, I remember watching the game. Some of the shots were good shots. They just could not buy a basket. And it's just crazy. But, unfortunately, URI wasn't able to keep up the momentum in the second half. But, I mean, if it was a first-half game, great game. And it definitely opened up the eyes. And it proved just what this team actually is. has been all season. And they're a 500 team. And they have good moments. They have bad moments. They're just a middle-of-the-pack A-10 team. And got to hope for the best that they can turn it around.
0: Yeah, the the final score from Dayton, Dayton 67, URI 56, uh, and unfortunately a loss at Dayton. Then on Wednesday, Rhodey came back home to play their second game of the year against the Rams of VCU. Now, a couple uh, notes that I do want to bring up. Uh, VCU has not won in Kingston since January of 2015. Uh, That year was also the year that they won the A-10 tournament. Uh, So they haven't had good luck in Kingston. Also, a side note, obviously we talked uh, earlier in the Dayton uh, recap that Fats Russell uh, did not play a lot in that second half. About 30 minutes before game time, Fats Russell was declared out for the game, uh, giving Ishmael Leggett the start uh,
1: for the Rhodey Rams uh, against VCU. And that brings me to this following point. Gary, going into the game, we, you and I were both on Twitter. URI's fans were not optimistic about this game. Everybody on Twitter was like, oh, you, Fats, no, URI has no chance with Fats. I remember reading one tweet that said, can't beat URI without Fats. They deserve to go back to the CAA. So, everybody's all, oh, we're going to get blown out. And then after the game, after VCU escaped with a one-point win... And let's be bygones, by bygones. VCU stole that game. What I saw on Twitter was ridiculous. Don't get me don't get me wrong. There was points in that game where Cox blew it, the players blew it. But these same fans before the game were saying that I had no chance, and then they're pissed off at the team for losing that game. I'm gonna tell you right now. That game gave me all the more hope and belief that this team is going to be special for the years to come. That team, without their star player, without their star senior, could have folded up and went out there and got blown out and moved on to UMass on Saturday. But that team showed you fight. That team showed you that they care and that they're not just one team. And I personally think that this team is going to be better off for it. Don't get me wrong. There were times in this game where I was screaming at the TV I wish we that we should have won And I was mad that David Cox didn't follow my rule where he should have fouled up three and Bones Highland hit the three to win the game. But for those who think that you or I should have won this game at the end when at the beginning of the game you were, oh, there's no shot that we're going to win this game. You're all being a little hypocritical. And I know I'm in the minority on this. I don't know how you feel about this, Gary. But I am very impressed with how this team played without Fats. I would have loved the win but it gave me hope that this team has a bright future ahead without fats and that they have the fight. And it tells you it tells you that David Cox and this coaching staff has a good culture at this program and that there is something to be up, up about. And we can get into all the miscues and crap that happened in the game, but that was just my little spiel on this.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, it wasn't pretty to start with. I think it took four minutes to get the first point on the board. Uh, for both but these that's teams, a URI-VCU game, kinda, no matter kinda, who it is. Yeah, kind of feeling each other out. Uh, but URI uh, was able to to open up a 45-35 to 35 cushion uh, with 13 minutes left. But then, you know, obviously, everyone knew it. Even Stone and Jack on the call knew it, right? These VCU games are never decided by 10 or 15 points. It's always by 2, 3 points, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less on either side. Uh, but... VCU kept URI scoreless for 5 minutes and 55 seconds uh, to catch up to the game. Uh, and then, unfortunately, and this is something we're going to get into in a second, but uh, URI had a tough time playing defense against this VCU team. Uh, they, you know, did leave the guy open to shoot the three that he didn't miss. And then the ball got tipped over to Bones Highland with 1.9 seconds left. Puts the ball in and gives VCU the 63-62 win in Kingston. Stealing the game from URI. Now, obviously, we do want to mention that at the end of the game... Uh, the ball was inbounded to Ishmael Leggett where he was fouled, which a lot of people will complain that shouldn't have been called a foul, but there's a lot of other conversation that could be talked about that. Uh, but Ishmael uh, did get the one-and-one. One. It was not marked as a shooting foul, and you are right. It was only in the single bonus, not in the double bonus. Uh, and Ishmael did miss that uh, free throw and gave VCU the, uh, the win in Kingston, uh, 63-62 for the first time uh, since 2015. Uh, VCU before this game uh, has dropped nine of its last ten games against URI, so a, a really really tough one all around for for Rhodey and and something that the the team showed a lot of resiliency, a lot of togetherness, but just came up short.
1: And there is a lot that I want to bring up from this game. The first being Ishmael Leggett. Everybody's going to rag on him for that free throw. If you saw it after that game. That kid looked heartbroken. He had just played the game of his career, and he acted like he just lost in the national championship. That kid is going to be a warrior. I'm falling more and more in love with Ishmael's game by the day. That kid had 17 points, 2 of 3 from 3. He stepped into Fats' shoes and more. So, albeit to to Ishmael. I just want to say so he posted
0: on Instagram day after the game. I'm not gonna go through the whole post, but on a whiteboard it says Whenever you feel crushed under pressure, pressed, or in darkness, you're in a powerful place of transformation. Trust the process. Enough said.
1: Now yes. Ishmael's gonna be the backbone, and you'll hear it later in our interview with JV. Ishmael's gonna be the backbone that takes roadie basketball into the next area, to their next era. Now with the bad this team's ineptitude to play offense against the zone was terrible and it was on full display Wednesday night. I couldn't count on multiple hands how many times they swung the ball around. They didn't they didn't move the ball high low post. They just swung it around the arc and they took a shot in the last couple seconds of the shot clock. You're not going to win. You're not going to get any you're not going to burn any energy on the defensive field and it showed. The other thing is the terrible boxing out that they did. I remember looking I remember calling you Gary. There was one play, I think it was It was in the second half there was, I think it was Mikhail, Malik and Jeremy Shepard. I'm not 100% sure on that. All three of them were standing right next to the basket. Three guys ball landed directly on the ground. A VCU player picked it up laid it up nobody touched him that is embarrassing for one of the top teams rebounding teams in the country. And my final big thing that needs to be addressed is David Cox not fouling up 3 under 10 seconds to go in this game. If you foul up 3 the mo I'm pretty sure URI was also in the single bonus was VCU was only in the single bonus at this time too. So VCU would have gotten a 1 and 1 You make him earn it at the free throw line instead of you giving Bones Highland one of the best three-point shooters in the conference. And when he has confidence, he can hit anything. He shot five of nine from the three-point line, 23 points. When you have one of the best... The best player on VCU is on fire. You give him a wide-open three when you could have fouled and you could have won that game. I put that on Cox at the end. But in reality, this team shouldn't have been out there at the end. The one thing I will bring up too, Gary... Jermaine Harris barely played in the second half. Jalen Carey played five minutes the entire game. And I'm just spitballing here, but generally when you lose a guard, everybody gets more minutes. When they lost a guard this game, his minutes got cut in half. And I think Ishmael played his way into way more minutes, and Jalen Carey... Probably going to keep losing more minutes.
0: Yeah, and I and there's another person that I do want to bring out, and it's not his fault. I think that he's trying to just uh, get himself more and more involved, but I do have a huge problem uh, with B. Trent taking three point shots. You know, four or five seconds into the shot clock, getting the ball down into into the zone, and then just shooting the ball right there, unacceptable. And, and in the end, and it, and in the end, I think that that's going to benefit uh, Ishmael. Uh, in the long run where he could go through and get those, uh, those extra minutes and, and potentially on air. Obviously we don't know if Cox is trying to rotate the, the rotation a little bit, uh, trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. All I have to say is that no matter the loss, and I know you and me and everybody in rotation is upset, right? You, they're frustrated that we lost all of that. But I will say that we got a clear, a clearer vision, so to say, of what this roadie team looks like when Fats Russell has graduated. And the, the future is is, is bright. And, and that's the one thing, right? It's been a rough year. Two losses this week against VCU and Dayton are, are rough. And we talked about how the schedule does not get easier. But the, the this team needs to to take the adversity, try to do what they can. And who knows, right? Marches is around the corner, but you don't even know what could happen. They could make a run in the A-10 tournament. It's happened
1: before. And I want to give... You got to give credit to VCU, like VCU play came up here after playing game on Saturday. They the game got last. They were preparing for Fordham on a back to back. They came up here. They were shorthanded. They had a couple players injured. Couple other issues with their team. They came up here. They got down in the first half. They came back. Took a lead at the second half. They came back. They were down in the second half. They came back and won this game. They played their defense, and VCU should hold their head high, and I just hope that this doesn't change things between VCU and URI. But if this game was just another VCU-URI battle of the Ram slugfest that we've been so accustomed to and that we love, and this is a great rivalry. and Not for nothing, Gary, I hope we get a third round in Richmond next month because – I'd be a-okay with that. If we lose to VCU in the A-10 tournament, I'll be a-okay with that because these two are evenly matched teams year in, year out, and the A-10 should be proud to have these two programs. So for the final time, this year, VCU 63, URI 62, and we move on to greener and better pastures. Yep.
0: So URI 0-2 in the two games this week. Uh, Definitely need some room for improvement. We'll get into it a little bit later with our game previews. But now it's time for your news around the A-10. Andrew, what do we got?
1: We got a very up and down week across the A-10. We'll uh, start with some sad news out of the A-10. We're a legendary A-10 coach from Temple. John Chaney had passed away this past week. Hearts out to his family and friends through this difficult time we're thinking about you and did uh th- there's one thing i do want to bring about uh him did did you see the video
0: that's from a couple of years ago him and calpari going at it at the the umass yeah game. Yeah. That, yeah, that, vi- that video is is phenomenal and and something that i i heard that now they were friends after it but the anger there is just a true a 10 rivalry all, all over yeah
1: we have our weekly awards marcus Weller of duquesne is player of the week and Dayton's off as meal is the rookie of the week from Dayton. Forgive me if I mispronounced his name. The A-10 has yet to give, as of this recording on Thursday, the release that they said they were going to give us about how the seeding will work for the A-10 tournament next month. Now we're going to talk about the programs on pause, which include Davidson and George Washington. And new to the club is Richmond. And boy, did this one stir up some controversy because Friday night, St. Louis was was supposed to play Richmond in Richmond. But that game got postponed because St. Louis had concerns about Richmond's COVID protocols and all that stuff. So there was a bashing back and forth about programs and everybody was taking sides and St. Louis was looking bad. And it turns out two days later, Richmond got put on pause and all their games through February 12th got postpone so in reality st louis did the good thing in taking precautions so that way they didn't go on another pause which they know that they can't afford so aye aye to them and hopefully everybody on the richmond george washington and davidson programs can get back to healthy so they can get back on the court finish off this season strong um before we get oh and a little nugget local nugget news Bryant University got put on pause today as one of their players tested positive so unfortunate for Bryant who's having a great year Um, Trey Clark got dismissed from the VCU program nobody knows why um, so as soon as we hear something, we'll report to you guys. Or if anything comes out on that, we'll
0: we'll definitely tweet it to you guys. Because
1: unfortunately, that news was uh,
0: squeaked out earlier today, and there's no additional information other than being dismissed from the program. He did not play in VCU's last two games, just so everybody knows.
1: The and now the bubble update for the A10. The your the A10 has seven teams in the top 100 in net ranking as of this recording. The only one team in Joe Linardi's bracket it was the Saint Bonaventure Bonnies, which had and he has VCU, St. Louis, and Richmond all on the bubble in the first four or the next four out. Uh, he also has Providence in on the bubble, not on not in but they're on the bubble. So keep an eye on them. And then Bryant is still considered the automatic qualifier from the NEC. So hopefully we can get Bryant in back on the court and they can. Start doing well. But that wraps up. Oh, I can't forget the best news of all, Gary. Oh, what's that? Duquesne finally opened their brand new arena this week. And boy, did it look gorgeous. And they got to christen it with a nice win over over Dayton. But saw the pictures of that one. That arena looks amazing. And I don't know about you, Gary, but that, that arena just jumped to the top of our traveling list when we can start traveling again
0: absolutely that the Duquesne arena looks amazing and shout out to them they've been without an arena for so long uh and they didn't have to travel for a home game which is great for them uh but with that that brings our news around the a10 uh now obviously before we uh get to our interview with uh, jv we do want to preview the two games coming up uh, for URI, URI has two games coming up this week. Uh, a game at home against UMass. That game is at 8 p.m. on ESPN2, so a nationally televised game for URI. And then Wednesday, URI takes a trip to St. Louis for a game against the St. Louis Billikens, who have been on pause and have had a rough patch. They've lost their last two games. Um, that game happening at 9 p.m. on CBS Sports Network on Wednesday night.
1: All right, we're going to get started with our UMass game preview so we played UMass a couple weeks ago in an overtime game where URI lost 80 to 78 which we already talked about the game we're not going to get into that game but hopefully it taught URI a lot of things for this upcoming game since then UMass has gone has had one game postponed and they have gone one and one with a win against Fordham and a loss against Davidson and, and they beat Fordham again. Two of their games were postponed against VCU and George Mason. So they will be playing us Saturday night. Two things you do need to keep an eye on. Their last game against Fordham, Trey Mitchell and Noah Fernandez were out due to injury. So even if they do play Saturday, odds are they will not be at 100%. So that should be good for URI. And across the board... UMass is pretty much the same team that they were back when we played them. If they don't have Trey Mitchell or Noah Fernandez, it's going to be a totally different team cuz you're going to be losing about 20 points from Trey Mitchell a game and 12 points from Noah Fernandez. So that's 32 points right there that UMass will have to make up, not to mention the big physical forces that Trey Mitchell is and Noah Fernandez is on the on the outer on the edge, but So just keep an eye on the injury report. Other than that, you got to shut down Ronnie DeGray Jr. because he went off against us last time. And with him, he won Rookie of the Week because of the game against us. So you shut him down, it's definitely going to be a revenge game. And I have full faith that if Fats is back, I feel like Fats put an interesting post today. He goes, the pain, the pain, it was something about the pain and it'll turn into fire. So when Fats comes back, he's coming for blood. So... Hopefully that comes on Saturday. Yeah, this UMass team is, is going to be looking for a little bit of fight.
0: And we always know the UMass URI games are always tough. Uh, obviously a little bit of an altercation at the end of that UMass game. Sometimes that bad blood can carry over to the Ryan Center, so we'll have to see. What happens on there? Uh, And then, obviously, URI has to travel to St. Louis to play a game against the St. Louis Billikens, which is a game that, honestly, I thought was not going to happen since St. Louis kept being put on pause all all a bunch of times.
1: Yeah, but St. Louis, before the season, was projected to be a juggernaut, and they were acting all like that in the non-conference. They have wins against LaSalle, NC State, Kansas City, Indiana State, central arkansas they lost to minnesota close but then they went on pause around christmas time and they've only played two conference games and they were both ugly games they lost to dayton by five on national tv and then they lost to LaSalle in a terrible loss for their ncaa tournament teams so you're they're going to be they have a game against george they have a game against st bonaventure on this on saturday at one so, they're going to be looking to rebound against us on Wednesday night. And you got to be worried about Hassan French. He's still there. Jordan Goodwin's still there. Javante Perkins. Like these the, these guys that were all there two, three years ago when they won the tournament are all seniors now. So, they're going to be gunning and wanting to get back on the right side of the bubble. So, they, uh, they shoot. They're a ridiculous free throw shooting team, they shoot 72% from the free throws. They shoot thirty seven percent from the three. They're a fifty percent field goal shooting team, so they're good on offense. And we know the story behind Hassan French and Jordan Goodwin. Those boys can those boys can board and block out. So it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see how Mikhail Mitchell and the rest of the bigs stack up against these boys on, on went these men. They're not boys. These guys were playing men on Wednesday night. The Saint Louis team, these two losses in A ten, just getting a rust off. I fully anticipate Saint Louis getting things together in Getting back on the uh, getting back on the horse and start winning some ball games. Yeah, two
0: tough games for URI coming up on Saturday uh, and Wednesday against UMass and then against St. Louis. Going to be two tough games to play for the URI Rams.
1: All right, now guys, it's time for the best part of the show. It's time for our sit down interview with the man, the myth the legend, the best hype man on the east of the Mississippi. That's right. We got John Vanner, JV, on this episode. So let's take a listen to that interview right now.
0: All right. We are uh, joined now on the podcast by the one, the only, the majestic John Vanner. JV Short, for example, uh, finally on the Roadie Baseline podcast. JV, we, we finally get to chat with you. I feel like it's been way, way too long.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm, I'm excited that you asked me to be on, and I'm excited to be here. And, you know, I miss your beautiful faces at the Ryan Center. I miss a lot of beautiful faces at the Ryan Center, but you two especially. So uh, I'm happy to be here.
1: JV, the first question I got for you, you're watching the games from the comfort of your own couch. How many times have you gone up and said at the under-12 timeout, it's now time for the Newport propane minute
2: of mayhem <laughs> none unfortunately it's Aww. been it's been, it, it's been so weird it's been so weird to just be sitting there knowing like what i'm what i would be doing at every like you know under 16 under 12 under eight time out it's just it's very weird
0: that that doesn't suppress me at all uh, you know kind of chatting in general uh jv how are you handling the the pandemic and kind of handling being away from the ryans that are not you know being the hype man for the rodeo rams as you usually are.
2: Yeah, honestly, I know, you know, obviously, it's been tough for everybody. And, you know, obviously, COVID has impacted people a lot more seriously than myself. But, you know, everybody's dealing with with, with different issues and things that come up because of the this pandemic. But yeah, it's been tough, man. Like, you know, I've got, you know, a, a, a pretty boring regular day job that, you know, obviously, I like and, and it's it's all good. But my, my creative outlet and my outlet to get my energy out, and that one thing I have to look forward to every, you know, fall and winter is, uh, you know, being at the Ryan Center and, and being a part of the action and, and, and feeling that love and that energy from the fans. And, you know, that being taken away from me suddenly has just been a, a huge adjustment. You know, I, I think I've, I only in the 13 seasons that I've done uh, had my, my job as the hype man, I've only missed two games uh because of a buddy's wedding and, and one i was on vacation and you know it's just so bizarre sitting there from home watching these games on tv it feels just like an out-of-body experience so uh, it's been tough but hey you know we're, we're pushing through
1: and we'll be back there next year having the ryan's in a rocket again don't you guys worry about that one
2: yeah, i hope so fingers crossed
1: so it's it's interesting that you brought it up that you've been a hype man for 13 years i know my four years at URI were the greatest years, and you were you were big with me and helping us get the roadie Ruckus more prevalent on campus and all that stuff. But how did you become the hype man? I always wondered that. Like it was just yeah,
2: yeah. It's a funny it's a funny story, Andrew. Um, so basically, you know, back when I was still in college at URI, believe it or not, I was interning at B one hundred and one at, at Clear Channel, which is now iHeart uh, Radio, and yeah. Steve McDonald, as you know, works there, and I was working as an intern for him. And uh, Daryl Jasper, who was uh, st- still at Rody at the time, was looking for someone to, you know, get on the court during timeouts, kind of, you know, play some games, deliver some messages from our, our great sponsors. And they said, hey, we're looking for someone young and cutting edge to do this. And he asked Steve if he knew of anybody. And he said, well, believe it or not, I've got an intern here who, born and bred Rody, And is is that at the games anyways? So why don't we try to see if he would be interested? And they asked me, and I was like, "Sure, you know what the heck? I'm I'm there for every game anyways. I might as well try this out." And then you know the role at first. I mean, obviously you guys were still probably in elementary school when I started, but oh my
0: goodness!
2: (laughs) Now you're dating yourself. I know, I know. I am dating myself, but. Uh, You know, it wasn't what I what it is now. You know, I wasn't really the, you know, kind of I wasn't really hanging with our student section much. It was a lot more formal and and kind of just doing some games and and stuff. Um, And that role obviously has has evolved over the years to be this hybrid where I'm kind of, you know, the unofficial ruckus leader and the hype man. And as well as all that other stuff where, you know, delivering sponsored content for our, our uh, media partners and our, our um, advertisers and a whole bunch of different stuff in between. So it's, it's been a ride, but yeah, that's how it started. It just kind of, it snowballed into this crazy thing. And here we are 13 years later. It's crazy.
1: I think at one of the times, the time that I knew that it was, it was going to be a match in heaven and you were amazing for Rodi, was when Jarvis broke his jaw and I know you and I, we had texted a few times and we ended up figuring out a way to get a whole bunch of face masks together. I think it was for the UMass game and we had the whole bottom half of the student section all wearing face masks. And that was a lot thanks to you. And that was probably one of my top five memories at URI. And it was, it was crazy.
2: That's, that's such a good memory. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, I remember me t- t- talking with you, like how do we get masks? I was talking to the marketing department. And I found some random website that, that made them for super cheap and ended up ordering like 100 or 200 of them and got some stickers to put on them and stuff. Oh, that was a great oh. memory. Oh, that Dude, was awesome. I still got the mask uh, hanging around here somewhere. I, that's that's, that's going to be with me forever.
1: I think I got mine too in my closet. Yeah, I always use, <laughs> love that mask.
0: Yep. (laughs) So bringing up, obviously, having, you know, 13 years of doing this, uh, there was that one point in time where you were going into retirement. It was going to be your last year. Talk to the fans a little bit about, you know, what came to to being like, okay, it's time for me to step away. And then also the the returning, so to say, where everyone kind of kept it under wraps and you showed up. Like nothing against Nikki Latrulo because I remember she announced one of the games and you know to keep everything going and then you magically showed up at the home opener. So, can you explain a little bit about what made you you know want to retire and what brought you you back, so to say?
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's a good question. I don't think I've ever really addressed that publicly too much or too in depth. But
0: uh, I guess um, we're getting the, I guess we're getting the
2: scoop yeah, here, Rudy. Yeah, you'll get the exclusive here. Um, yeah, you know, I, I we were coming up; uh, it was my tenth season. um... And, you know, that was our, our big year. Uh, it was Fats' freshman year. We were, um, we, you, we were rolling. And, you know, I was thinking a lot, you know, at that point. I was like, I'm getting, you know, older. And the last thing I want to turn into is I don't want to end up being, you know, the weird, creepy guy that's kind of hanging around too late at the party, you know, uh, you know, going back to all the college parties after he graduated or the high school parties after he goes to college, you know. So I had a fear where I just didn't want people to start, you know, asking, you know, what is he, what is he doing? You know, it's, I just had that fear, you know, and then I also just decided, you know, maybe I want to hang out and just watch some games from the sidelines. And that was really the the crux of it, um, to be honest with you. And I, and I figured it would have been a good year to end on a a high note. You know, the, the team was, was at an all time peak and I felt almost like, you know, all the work and the, 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 the sweat, the tears and, and the, uh, you know, all the blood, sweat and tears I put into the job and, and getting the fan base to the point where it is where we're selling out all the time. You know, we, the program was, was at a, a pinnacle as opposed to when I started, when we had, we were lucky to have, you know, 2,400 people at in the stands for every game. If we were I, lucky. I remember
0: those days. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. It, it, there were some lean days where my job was not too fun. You know, I would leave the Ryan center and, and say to myself, you know, what am I even doing? You know, I'm running around yelling and screaming and I'm getting nothing back. And then, you know, to see it come to that point and you guys were in school for that where it was just an amazing, you know, game day experience. I was like, you know, what? I think I've done what I needed to do and it's time to turn the page. Now, as far as what brought me back, I was 100% committed to, to, to being done. I, I was satisfied with, with how things ended. Um, you know, they did a great uh, thing honoring me that last night, which, you know, choked me up quite a bit. Oh, I remember. It got me too. I
0: remember. I I think I had some tears in my eyes during that too.
2: Yeah. And, you know, and then things, you know, at that point I was satisfied and I I walked away and I, you know, I felt like I I was leaving on a high note and it's always good to to be better to, you know, leave on that high note, you know, as opposed to, to not doing that. So, but then, you know, I go to the A-10 tournament in, um, in DC and, I could not walk 3 feet without someone coming up to me, hugging me, begging me not to go. Why are you doing this? You know, and I I just kind of appreciated the goodwill and and kept it moving, but it and then it just hap- kept happening all weekend long. And then next thing you know, we're in the NCAA tournament and I'm in Pittsburgh at the next week and it's happening again, over and over and over and over again. And you know, the 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 amount of love that the fans showed to me was was quite overwhelming and you know i i I have no qualms you know people are coming to the games to watch the the players and and root on the team I mean, that's what we're all there for you know people are not there to see me but i think maybe in in my head or my my mind i i thought maybe i mattered a little less than everybody else thinks i do or something i I don't know i I just you know and you know reflecting upon it i was like you know the only consistent thing these people have seen over the last 13 years, every year when they show up to the Ryan center is me being there, you know, players leave coaches, leave, um, you know, it, you know, cheerleaders leave fans, leave students, leave. I, I'm the, I'm the consistent, you know, I'm the consistent thing. So that kind of put a little question mark on my head saying, you know, am I doing the right thing? Like I'm, it's not like I'm 40 right now. I'm still in my early thirties. And then Long story short, I was still fine with it. I, I made my peace with it. And then sometime in the very late summer of that year, um, marketing reached out to me to kind of have a chat to get some input on you know, wh- how, you know how I feel you know, the, the position to go, who, who we should fill my, my spot with. We were talking about having tryouts. They were picking my brain about things. And we were talking about all different ideas.
0: I, I remember. I just want to jump in that I'm pretty sure Andrew applied for that.
1: Just... No, I would never steal JV's job. <laughs> no, well,
2: no, well, I mean, I was gone. If you did, that's 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 great. I think you would have done a great job. Andrew. I still,
0: I still remember remember the conversation of going. Well, did you try? out? Should I apply? And I was like, Yeah, why not? Like, what's yeah, the
2: harm? Of course. And it's not an easy job to do, you know, it really isn't. I was a mess my first couple seasons and luckily for most people, you know, there was nobody really there to see me go through those growing pains <laughs> of, uh, of, you know, talking without the microphone being on or tripping or, you know, I, it, was, it was a mess for a couple of years there. But, but anyway, you know, and then finally at the end of the meal, um, you know, our marketing guys, you know, Derek Light, Matt Moeller um, and George Brisbane said, JV would you think about coming back? And I, it took me really by surprise and um, that's not what I, where I expected the conversation to go. So I, you know, and after everything that happened in the, in the tournaments and, 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 you know, all that love and, and the people bothering me nonstop, I, I relented and and said, you know what, let's, let's go back. Let's do this again. And um, I'm happy I came back. I really am, you know, they were nervous that it's only going to be for a season, but you know, right now I don't really have any firm plans to leave. Um, but that surprise, you know, during that opening night game was one of the best things. Uh, one, one of the best things that that secret was really tough to keep. Only about I don't know six or seven people knew about that. So I was hiding that's out crazy. in the uh, I was hiding out under the bleachers for the for, for an out an hour before the game started. So I, I remember was,
0: I remember how loud the Ryan Center was when they like you just popped out. And yep. the place went nuts.
1: Yeah. The visiting team a- must have been so confused about why they're <laughs> we going crazy in the middle of the half.
2: <laughs> they probably were. Um, yeah, but that was a really special time. And, you know, I, like I said, I, I have no regrets. I'm, I'm, you know, obviously I felt a little bad. I'm like, these people are going to think I'm a moron. Like, I'm saying I'm retiring and then coming back, you know, like Brett Favre of the very next year. But. Um, <laughs> That was honestly, that, that was my big worry that people were going to be like, what the heck does this kid think he's doing? You know, and force. yeah, force but, but you know, Hey, listen, it, it ended up go- working out for the best. People were, were very excited and you know, it, it really, it really dawned on me, you know, you know how much me being there makes a difference to the people, to the atmosphere, of the Ryan Center. So I- I'm happy to keep doing it for our fans.
1: Well, that's great. I got I got one more question before we start talking about the uh, team this year and yeah the future. What uh you've been with the program for thirteen years, you've seen a lot of visiting players, a lot of visiting coaches. What's the weirdest thing that's ever happened with any of the visiting squads that has happened with you? The
2: weirdest.
1: Well or the craziest.
2: So the honestly, and you you know, we we go back to that that last game when I was quote unquote retiring, we were, fl- we were facing St. Joe's and it was senior night and we got, we got spanked. We got r- run off the court basically. And I had that last, you know, timeout where uh, the under four in the second half where I just asked the guys if they could free some time up for me just to kind of say bye to the fans. And um, so I came out and I, and I started, you know, saying bye to the fans and, and half the people had left at that point because we had we were losing by like 25 points and then i'm walking off the court after giving this like heartfelt speech and phil martelli uh, the st joe's coach was like who the heck do you think you are eminem and i was like <laughs> what i was like what <laughs>
0: That's and, terrible.
2: And I'm handing the microphone to, to our, um, our great director, Jamie, who's been with me for almost the whole time. And, and I'm walking off and, and, and Phil says that. And I'm just, I look at him. I go, are you serious? And then he just turned around and I'm like, it's during a timeout too. So you're supposed to be talking to your team right now. And, <laughs> and then I'll never forget it. Joe Lenardi was like, uh, who's their radio guy, the, the bracketologist was looking at, witnessed this, this exchange and then, you know, after the game, he actually sought me out and he was like, he's like, Hey man, you know, you know, don't pay him any mind. He gets, you know, he didn't know what was going on. And I filled him in and he was, you know, a little, you know, he's a little cranky sometimes during the game. Joe, <laughs> <laughs> Joe paid me a really good compliment and said, you know, I, I do one of the best jobs that he's seen and he's been to a lot of arenas. So that really was, was helpful. And that, and Phil actually did, uh, you know, when I was coming back out after the game had ended, he was com- he was doing radio. He uh he apologized, but it was very very weird. It was very that's, weird.
1: that's crazy.
0: <laughs> that's a but, see that that's a good moment right there.
2: Like yeah, that's,
1: that's a typical St. Joe's moment for
0: you. Though,
2: right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Who do you think you are, Eminem? It didn't even make <laughs> Who do you any think sense.
0: you are? You're
1: St. Joe's
0: yeah <laughs> so so there's one one question i want to go through then we'll jump into the team a little bit this year and yeah a couple of those questions so obviously you've been going to the games for a while 13 years being the hype in but you've gone to roadie games for a long time since i was probably seven or eight years old exactly so yep. what so it's a two-parter so what's your favorite moment in kiddie gym and then your okay. favorite moment at the ryan center oh god that's tough yeah. okay
2: um <laughs> You're killing
0: me. I don't know if
2: I have a favorite moment at Keeney Gym. I'm trying to think if I, I mean, it would just be, you know, it would be just being there, you know, as a young kid, just getting to that age where, you know, I was probably like 11 or 12. And that's when, you know, the love of basketball really started seeping in. And that was during our Elite Eight year. So I think just kind of being, you know, there in that that dungeon of a gym during that run that year was, was something so special that I'll, I'll never forget. Um, and then I also had the privilege of tra- traveling with the team and going with the team um, to um, St. Louis for the sweet 16 and the elite eight that year. Um, that's one of the best all time moments of my entire life. Forget, forget uh, just in basketball
0: Oh yeah, I don't blame you.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, so I don't know if I have one that I can point to at Kini. Um I was a ball boy for a bit too. That was always cool, just kind of being under the the rim and and you know being cl- shoulder to shoulder or not actually head to waste i'd say uh, I, I, for, I think I
0: was gonna say i think anyone who, who's chatted with you has heard uh many ball boy stories of King yeah yeah.
2: yeah yeah shout out to jay coppa me and me and, <laughs> me, and me and jay were ball boys for a while oh,
1: dynamic duo anyway um
2: yeah he's a great kid i i love you jay if you're listening um uh as far as the ryan center man i don't know if i had i can pinpoint one You know, I I always go back to two when people ask me this question. It's the first and foremost, it's um, that game where we beat Nebraska, um, that first ranked team win for Hurley where you could tell that this program was on a, you know, upward trajectory and, and sky was the limit. You know, I had never seen the student section that loud. Both sides of the Ryan Center all the way up to the 300s were both filled with kids, I believe it was a Friday night at like nine o'clock too. Yep, so everyone yep. was going bananas. I remember um, the
0: JV, the line went all the way back to to the dorms and just yeah. kept
2: going to yep. get it. Like it just it was, it was insane. It was insane. That was like a bananas time that I'll never forget. That um,
1: was the I, only home game I've missed in eight, nine, ten years. Oh man, that's a, <laughs> that, that's unfortunate. Gary, it was my little sister's birthday, and it was the only one that I've missed in eight years. I was at her birthday party. I was sitting in the back. I had the phone streaming on Cox and Eric Freed, and I'll never f i will never I was so <laughs> mad I wasn't there.
2: Oh, dude, that's awful. It, that was such a moment. Uh, I'm sorry just, you weren't. Just the for sto- that.
0: the the court storming at the end too. Just because you knew oh. and like EC makes the two free throws and then they tried him on the ball and it's just a flood. Like yeah, just it was, remember,
2: it was great, and I remember just yelling, you know, doing the roadie, rody, roadie, roadie, and the whole place was shaking. At the end, it was like once I realized, you know, we were going to win this, we were winning this game. It was unbelievable. Um, and then the the other one was that first time we beat PC with uh, with Dan and the gang there. Um, you know, that place that night was absolutely electric. Fats' freshman year, where he cut, he went off, and the place was just absolutely shaking. Um, and that was a special time. Uh, obviously, it's always great to beat PC, but that was that you know the beginning of our first tournament year. Everything that was just kind of in place, and it was it was
1: special. Oh yeah, that was that was a great night. I remember staying out there twelve hours before that game, getting big pizza from Ronzio's. Oh, those were the days. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, you guys have any favorite moments you want to share?
0: Uh, I mean the Ooh. the ne- the Nebraska one JV is what gets me because like I was a sophomore, and mm-hmm. it was I just remember going it's it's full circle for me because i remember going to the games as a freshman getting talked to by my roommates about why i was wasting my time because this team <laughs> was never going to amount to anything <laughs> and, and that that's what i heard that whole time and then the year after just kind of you know helping out with kind of uh marketing and kind of like being outside with like the mob and just i remember dan and bobby would always like come and say hi like they would always talk like bobby would always talk to me for like three to four minutes and then walk away and just the atmosphere. And then I just remember that Nebraska game was – I remember finding out that if we were – if we win that game, that it would be so big for the program. And then it was – I just remember it being so loud. Like every timeout was loud. Like it was PC loud for a Nebraska yep. game. Like I just – so I would say that. Um, and and then I, I want to – I'm going to say this and it's it always – and I've seen it the last couple of days and that's why it's fresh in my mind it's the Duquesne buzzer beater. Yeah, Stan, Ooh, yeah. that was Cause I almost, Because I remember almost falling off of 203. Yep.
2: That was that – was. I mean, we came we, – we were down big in that game, big, big. We were down like 16 points. Um, and my buddies came down from Boston to finally come see what, what I do and, and came to see a game. And, um, you know, they were all excited and hyped up. We were ranked like the 24th, and, you know, we, we did not play well. But all all was forgiven at the end when Stan hit that shot. It was beautiful.
1: What about you, well, Andrew? What's your moment? Well, sentimentally speaking, the Ryan Center is what made me meet, be able to meet Gary and so many friends that – like my roadie family. I know everybody talks about how it's weird how we're all so close together. But the Ryan Center has given me Gary as one of my best friends and all these other people in my life. So that that's a big one in my uh, – in my memory bank, and then probably, oh, this is tough. I would have to say probably the night we clinched the A10 tournament on our home, the A10 regular season title on our home floor. It was just What's, so nice con- to see the culmination of everyone. Yeah,
2: the, is that the
1: confetti night? Yeah, the confetti night. Yeah,
2: yeah, that was great.
0: The, the confetti with the uh, the infamous pitcher. Of them all yeah. standing there, like that image, just like tells tells it all, so to say. Yep, Yeah. Like, uh, yep. There's
2: so Special many good time.
0: there's there's so many good moments that we can we can talk about though. There's so many,
1: <laughs> and hopefully, many more next year. That's what that's what come. I'm
0: talking about. More to come, absolutely.
1: Well, now we're gonna let's get into the uh, present because we got a lot to go over. Um, I know you you do a lot of work you. PA announced a lot of the women's games and Gary and I have been touching on them. You've been, you're one of the closest people I know with the women's program. What do you think of the job Tammy Reese is doing and how Uh, they're, they're doing amazing.
2: It's unbelievable. You know, I I felt something when they made that hire of Tammy and I, I got a chance to meet her. I was like, this is it. This is the person that's going to actually turn this program around and, and get Rhodey women's basketball up to where it should be. Um, and, you know, only in her second year, she's already got these guys absolutely in a great position. Um, and you're talking only year, like, two, basically, of, the, of a rebuild, of an entire rebuild, and she's got them competing night after night. You know, I, like you said, I've been paing uh, the women's games for quite a, quite a while now, and, you know, it was kind of a, a, bu- a bummer a lot of nights to be there and, and not see them – Uh, That's even though you could see some talent, it was you know not great seeing them lose all the time, but uh, she's done a phenomenal job, she's got some great talent, um, on the team. Uh, Manu, uh, MP Marta Vargas, I mean, uh, uh, Johanna Muse, I mean, they have a great, and this girl, Catherine Cairns, who's an absolute sniper from three. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. I mean, they've got, they've just got a really good team put together and I, I can't wait to see where she takes this team in the next couple of years, because I think sky's the limit with this, uh, with Tammy, uh, you know, uh, leading up the team.
1: And she's an even better person. I remember one of the season ticket holder events, Gary and I went to Tammy was there. She came up to us, was talking to us for like 15, 20 minutes. She, so approachable and she like she, one time she invited Gary and i was like if you guys want to come check out a practice we're open doors it's all about the fans it showed that she gets it and that you need the fan support the alumni support and it just made me re- made me a lot of this compares to the first couple of years with danny hurley like yep i really think she's the person to bring the program back and maybe one day upset uconn <laughs> ah,
2: i would love it you're, you're no you're spot on you know it, it's a home run hire from thor um and she's she's so nice she's got an electric personality you can tell all the kids have bought in to what she's selling and you know that's all you can ask for and you know it's already paying dividends so i'm excited to see where uh you know where they end up this year and beyond
0: i just i and i said this to andrew we've talked about it on the show a bunch of times but I just feel like I don't even know what they're going to – like this team's going to have a shot in the A-10 tournament, like the women's tournament, which I feel like you yep. have never seen. And it's it's weird to say that. Like it's just weird. But Yeah, it, and, you know,
2: they, they've got a lot of offensive firepower. And, you know, the thing that that, that sold me was last weekend, they were fa- facing St. Joe's, who I believe was in first place. And they had a big lead. They were up 14 or 15 points. And in the fourth quarter, they just could not score. They went – Ice cold, could not score. St. Joe's got all the way back in the game, took them to overtime, and Rhodey was, you know, just able to really clamp down on defense. And and they had that old Hurley mindset, like you were talking about, where it's like we are going to grind out and we are going to, you know, withstand as much as we can and grind out a win. And that's exactly what they did. So yeah. it, per- the sky's the limit.
0: This team, this team is gonna do great, great things. Now we need to transition to the the other team at Roadie, unfortunately. As funny as the team's talking about the women's team here. Um, what is your view on the season and on you know the transfers that have come into the team and just kind of the team in general?
2: Yeah, I, I it's tough. You know, obviously I am a, a diehard, I bleed teeny blue. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I thought that the, the pick of us finishing six, this, this season, preseason was, was off just because of all the talent on paper. Um, you know, and, and where are we right now? We're, we're, we're kind of where everyone expected us to be, I guess. Um, as far as my personal thoughts are, um, I think we have some uh, incredible talent. I think we've got an unbelievable amount of, of depth at every position, um, I just you know it's just a little frustrating, it's been a frustrating season, I think, because for a lot of fans because you get, you see the flashes of brilliance and you know we can compete with any team in this league night in and night out, it just seems like we, we're just having issues putting it all together and and keep you know turnovers have been an issue, some fundamentals have been an issue. It's just been tough that's, that's, that's my, my as concise as I can get.
1: Yeah, that's a – I completely agree with you. It's been a tough year. And, I like, I think the one thing that the team needs and a lot of fans need to realize just how lucky URI is. Like, I know the wins and losses aren't there, but I think this year going through it and playing as – they're one of the teams in the country that have played the most games this year. Knock on wood. I'm hearing if you can hear it. But that the team should take that as a victory that the players bought in enough to actually care to be able to play the games, which is huge in my opinion. And I yeah. think that'll benefit them in the long run. Absolutely. So, yeah. I now, agree. speaking about the games and everything being different, obviously there are no fans in the games. And last night I think is a perfect example of how fans affect the game. How much different do you think last night would have been And the season in general, if the Ryan center was packed to the 7,500.
2: Oh, forget about it. All those games that, you know, all those games where it seems like we've had, we've had like a decent lead and then weren't able to kind of secure that and keep that going. It makes a huge difference. I think, you know, home games and obviously the, the, uh, the way Vegas sets the betting odds, they give you about three points at least for home game. Um, I think the Ryan center is worth at least five to six points, if not more when, when we're packed to the gills last night, I don't think would have transpired the way it had, you know, if we had a full house there. And I think a lot of the other games would have swayed our way this year. If we had fans there, I I just think that, that, you know, it, it is without a doubt proven that our guys feed off of the Ryan center crowd. There's no doubt in my mind.
1: So you hear that, fans, JV, Gary, and I are telling you all right now, as soon as tickets go on sale next year, you buy your season tickets, you buy out every game, you got a bunch of stimulus money chilling in your bank account, and you got a bunch of bar money. So you better buy every single ticket and get sell out the Ryan Center at least 20 times next year.
2: I love it. Sell out every single game. Save those, <laughs> save those shekels and those pounds and those, uh, those bitcoins and uh, all your GameStop stock, all the money that you want,
0: <laughs> and uh, and get those season tickets. See, I like, I like the the promotion over there, Andrew. Nice touch.
2: Thank
0: uh, you. So, so obviously, with a, a new team, uh, who this is a a question that we asked Stone when we had him on our show. Uh, who is your new f- favorite player on this team? Not saying that obviously, if you want to pick fats, you can, but one of the new players, either transfer or freshman, so to say, on this team?
2: Uh, that's tough. I'm going to say ish it, uh, especially after last night's performance. This kid is the future. This is not hyperbole. I am not hyping him up more than he needs to be. This kid is going to be the next program player for us. You know, I think the sky's the limit for this kid. He is so poised as a freshman, and just the decisions he makes are unbelievable. The amount of just his grit – He's all over the court. He's involved in every play that he's on the court. And I think that he needs more minutes going forward. I think he's got to be playing 20 plus minutes uh, for the rest of the year. Um, you know, despite missing that foul shot last night, which was a heartbreaker, um, I, I think it's only going to fuel the fire more. It's definitely him. Um, you know, but all, I, I can't, obviously, I want to say him, but I think with so many new faces, I, I've, you know, gotten. I've become a fan of, of, of all, all of our guys. You know, I love what uh, Mikel Mitchell has done. You know, I think he has was, you know, originally unfairly ostracized and coming in, a lot of people were like, you know, the Mitchell twins were were, were being, you know, going around to schools saying we're a package deal. We only come together. And the consensus was no one wants Mikel. They want Makai. Mikel's not not a, not up to snuff. You, and no one wants to bring him on. And then be forced to play him,
1: and Which I think is it's scary to, to think.
2: I think it's safe to say we have the last laugh in that one because Mikkel has, absolute, yeah, M- has absolutely, yeah, Mikkel absolutely blossomed. Um, the, the game has slowed down so much for him. You know, his his post moves are unbelievable, and that explosiveness to turn the little hook shot. He's so long. Um, yeah, I mean, he's impressed me phenomenally, and I can't help but think, you know what. What games would have flipped to a, in the win column if Makai was still healthy this season? But we'll have yeah. to wait till next. We'll have to wait till next year to see that.
1: Yeah, that's too I got to follow up on that. But this season again, it reminds me of the year before we went on that 8-10 run when we had four and EC got hurt. So if we have to have this little bumpy season to get a great next two seasons, I'm okay with that. So, but uh, I agree. My follow. up My follow-up on the whole ish thing, JV, I agree with you. Great player, needs more minutes and all that stuff. Do you think him playing this well could – obviously it benefits him, but could it hurt the program and him thinking about transferring to a bigger school with the The, transfer rules and all that stuff?
2: I think that's got to be the fear for everybody moving forward with the loosening of the transfer rules. And like Coach Cox and a lot of of other coaches say, you know, you're going to have to re-recruit your players every year. I think we're in a good position this year where I I bet you Cox told Ish that, Hey, you know, you're going to get minutes on this team this year. You're not going to be a starter, but I'm sure he told him what his long-term vision for Ish would be. And bet, you know, I bet my last bottom dollar to you guys today that Ish will be a starter for the next three years of his career here. And the chance to be, the leader of this team, the captain of this team, the star of this team, and at the end of the day, is you know obviously that's always got to stick in the back of your mind. But I have faith in the program and and, and Coach Cox that um, Ish will stick around and, and be the next star of this team.
1: Yeah, I really really hope so. And well, that that you're perfect at giving us great segues because that leads me into the next topic. Is because you're you have more experience with the program than Gary and I have. With Ish and a whole new brigade of roadie people come in, what do you think outside of the practice facility, because we all know that's huge, what the program needs to stay atop the A-10 and get to the next level that we all want the program to get to?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Obviously, first and foremost is is that practice facility that they're talking about, uh, you know, renovating to tell, to um, to do. Um, that's first and foremost. We, we need that stay in the cutting edge for, you know, Training, recovery, a place for them to practice freely without having to schedule the Ryan Center. I think that's that's first and foremost something that recruits these days are looking for. Um, you know, secondly, I think it's, it's those little bells and whistles. I think we need to, you know, it'd be great if we could find some more money to pay our assistants more, to be at a more competitive edge in the A-10 in the country. I think that we need to... Um, you know, get more money for charter flights so that every single one of our away games is a charter. Um, I think those two things are also big along with that practice facility. Those three things would, you know, really be some icing on the cake, so to speak, to entice our recruits, help maintain our you know, existing players and help the program elevate to the next level.
0: Now, I do want to bring up a follow up question here. Obviously, yeah. those are all great points. Do you think the marketing also needs a little bit of improvement as well? Slightly? Um,
2: no, I don't know. I, I, to be honest with you, I think, I think marketing is doing a great job. Um, I, I think that there, you know, obviously I can't speak to, you know, how, how it's there, how students are being marketed to, I can only really see what I see when I'm on campus or um, what I see on social media and, and such, but I, I think they're doing a good job. Um, you know, obviously, it's tough to to make a call this year with us, nobody being there <laughs> to to market
0: to it uh, the games. Uh, agreed.
2: Um, but you know, obviously, you know, next year, hopefully, we'll get some people who were, you know, tired of not being home. Uh, you know, tired of being home and want to come out, and we'll we'll put that money to get that experience to to be here at roadie games. Obviously, winning always helps a lot with that. Um, but I think from a marketing perspective, you know, it's, it's, unfortunately it's going to be, it's always tough, uh, marketing, uh, the program because people don't want to, people don't want to drive far in Rhode Island. You know, you got your South County folks, but enticing people to come from across the state to get there is always going to be tough. And no matter what happens, it seems like winning is the only thing that guarantees that, um, the program, you know, is is selling out tickets. So we just got to hope to put the best product we can on the court.
1: The one thing I will say that they need to um, improve on is turning, getting rid of Friartown and turning it into Rhode Island or Rhode Island because that TF Green billboard when you come into baggage claim that needs yep. to become a PC one. Uh, all these other, yeah, that's the one big thing I can that I am on board for.
2: That'd be great. I, I think obviously you know as as much marketing and to get our name and our and and the the brand out there is is great, but obviously. Everything like that costs money, so um, you got to be smart with your resources. And obviously, everyone's going to be under a crunch over the next year or so while they rebound with all the lost money that from this past season. Because don't underestimate that, guys. Even the the, the biggest programs in the country are hurting. You know, the athletics budgets are hurting this season because of the fact that obviously the the, the um, you know advertisers and sponsors money is is lower than usual because there's nobody there <laughs> to, to market to and you know all that money that's got, had to go into testing and, and all that stuff so it's going to be a tight I think year or two till everybody can rebound unfortunately
1: yeah I was just sad to, sad sad to hear I know it's, it's going to be tough I know URI is doing a great job I we just got an email from them that we can push our season tickets to next year and they've been nothing but nothing but professional about this and I really appreciate that from the uh from URI and all that stuff so URI is not on the bubble this year obviously I know we all would love them to be on the bubble but with that being said if URI is able to put some wins together the rest of this season and into the conference tournament do you think that they should play in the NIT or do you think they've given up too much and should be able to go see their families and stuff?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Obviously, you know, you're right. You know, we're, we're about 500 in, uh, in the conference and um, you know, the NCAA does not look like it's in the cards for us this year. Um, this weird pandemic year. Um, obviously that could change. Anything could happen in March, including a run in the tournament uh, in, uh, in Richmond, which would be great. Uh, don't get me wrong. It would be great to see this team like finally click, put it together and, and be able to make a run. But you know, if they fall short, um, you know, I think the team should absolutely play in the NIT if they if they get invited. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, turn their, you know, turn their head or turn their chin at, at, at that offer. Um, but I think if the NIT comes knocking, uh, accept the invitation, you know, it can't hurt to get this team some more uh, games together. Obviously, if it could be done safely, that's that's first and foremost the priority. And the team has done a great job, I got to say. You know that uh, this will not happen to our guys. You know over the next few weeks, but um, yeah, I think that it, it, if if the opportunity knocks, they should take any postseason as long as it's not anything below the NIT. Um, and then um, you know get ready for next I, year. I have to agree
0: with that one. I I think that the NIT will actually I, give this team you know a feeling of playing in that setting to get ready almost sort of next year. Like, I also understand the secondary part where people are saying, I want to get home. You know, they've had to to be, you know, separated in their own type of, you know, small bubble on campus. But, I mean, if you've done this to this point, then what's a couple more days?
2: Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Say. And why, why not extend the season? The season was shortened. Anyway. I think more more playing time and more time for these guys to, to click and gel and get to exactly. know each other can uh, oh, do nothing ahead. but help us.
1: And I got – I got one quick follow-up question about the future where, as we're getting close to wrapping this up, JV. So thank you very much yeah. for hanging on with us. As the NCAA has their uh, given everybody an extra year of eligibility, if you had to guess...
2: I, I think I can see Shepard using it. I don't see Fats doing it. That's my personal opinion. I could be wrong, yeah, but, but I'm pretty sure Fats is going to you know, because you know, with that it would it be great for the fans? Absolutely could it potentially help his stock, you know to play in the NBA or overseas? Absolutely but you're also rolling the dice you know, things happen to people and God forbid you get some kind of you know, career devastating injury, future Shepard hopefully, you know, we're fun of you know, he's traveled you know, Juco Ball, so I think he if anybody would, would stick around to, to keep his stock uh, higher but I think Fats is out I, the door. perfectly. I, I
1: think He's we all feel. I, I agree with you. I <laughs> yeah, would, I would love to see Shepard here for another year. I think that would not only be great for him, but I think it would be great for Ish too to have another senior-laden guard in the starting lineup with him to play alongside. I think them two would complement each other great next year, a la Jared Terrell and Jeff yeah. Dowd Jeff yep. Dowd's freshman.
2: I agree. I think it's it could be nothing but helpful for Ish to to get to re- refine his skills and have a, a, a firm, you know, experience backup. Because other than that, you know, we're gonna be going to the well and, and basically utilizing either Jalen Carey or someone else point guard or the, or the secondary guard. So I, I'm, not, I'm hoping Shepard will stick that's
1: around. That's I think it right great. there so- We're gonna let you go, JV. We need your A-10, it's February 4th, so we're right your match madness. So we need your A-10 tournament prediction and your final four prediction for the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Yeah, I, I put Gary on the spot earlier. He did still
2: give me an answer. Um all right, so of the, the a so the a ten tournament is going to be won by St. Louis. I think that, you if, with not, that one. if not Rody, obviously you know obviously you know I'm, you know <laughs> I'm rooting for Rody. I don't want to feel like I'm not, but I think you know, I don't want people to come at me for saying that. But I think I think St Louis, <laughs> despite the last two losses, I think St. Louis has the best overall complete team um, and I think that that long pause kind of threw them for a loop, but I, I think they're gonna get it together by the end. Final four uh, Gonzaga, Baylor,
1: Michigan and T- and Texas yeah. Ooh. oh, I, oh I, Ooh, Texas shock a smart A10. I like there I, I like that one. Or that's a good final four. I, or. He, or, or
2: houston i don't
1: know houston, houston's playing good ball yeah yeah no sure gary will tell you but michigan's my second favorite team right behind uri so i'm all aboard the michigan to the final four train all
0: right no that's a good that, that's a that's a good that's a, that's a good prediction we'll, we'll keep that audio and we'll see what to. happens in about two months to <laughs> see if it uh if it worked out imagine <laughs> I'll hey texas is a, is a good one i think that's uh a, that's, a that's, really that's, like that that's, that's a good that's a good change obviously the 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 three yeah. the three are, are what we know but the texas one is is really good but yep yeah, thank you jv for for joining us on rody baseline uh you can go and follow jv on twitter at jv401 uh if you want to see his takes on rody basketball uh he usually tweets some pretty funny gifs i uh, <laughs> just want just want to bring up a side note uh he found uh, i think it's a gift from shits creek or whatever the heck that show is yep uh, where where uh eugene levy says ish which is hilarious. And I, I literally almost fell off the couch looking at it. <laughs> I just,
2: so. I just typed ish in like the gift search and that came up. And I was like, this is beautiful, how
0: has nobody found
2: this yet? So, <laughs> um, uh,
0: but yes, thank you, JV for joining us on the show. Make sure to follow him and obviously make sure you get out to the Ryan center next year uh, when hopefully things are back to normal. We can all be cheering loud and hearing him hype up and doing the Newport propane. Minute of May. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. I miss podcast. Um, you guys, fans and ambassadors of the team. I appreciate everything you guys do, and I, I can't wait to see you guys all in person and uh, hopefully back at the Ryan Center next season, so we can uh, you know get back to some kind of sense of normalcy here.
1: All right. We want to thank thank you guys for joining us back here. We want to thank JV for joining us. It was a very very fun and awesome conversation to have with JV. A lot of good laughs lot of cool information nice point of view from somebody who's kind of inside the program if you will and make sure you give that a listen give jv a follow and thanks jv and hopefully we get to see you next year and the rest of you roadie people at the ryan center yep uh but with that that takes us now to the last segment
0: in our show it is now time for andrew's
1: hot take so everyone i hope you enjoyed our amazing episode and this hot take is probably the only hot take that could get URI into the NCAA tournament. I know it's a long shot about happening, but there's got to be some sort of contingency plan for this, so this is my idea for the NCAA. And this will only work up until the first tipped game. So, if let's use URI and VCU, for example. If VCU gets into the NCAA tournament, And they get out to Indiana, they test positive, and they need to be replaced. I would say that the NCAA needs to make a rule that any team that gets replaced has to be from that conference in the first round. After that, it just turns into a forfeit. But after the first round, you shouldn't have any issues with teams because they're all going to be in a bubble anyway. But that is my opinion, I think, because it wouldn't be fair to the conferences because you need the money that goes out to the teams and conferences for making the tournament. And and I'm not saying anything shady would go on, but this is just another way to avoid all these big schools getting in. Because you could have the Bonnies get in, go down there, get tested, they get sent home, and then that's a perfect excuse for the NCA to send in a Duke or a Kentucky that'll get them more money, which isn't fair to the conference or the teams. So that's my idea. I hope it. I doubt it'll happen, but it's a little fun thing to talk about there.
0: See, I think that uh, I think that's a great idea, right? Like, I I also feel that if you know a team or or so is going to get you know stuck in the you know stuck in testing and then test positive, uh, it's a great way to keep the the money still staying in the same conference. Now, do I really think the NCAA is really going to follow this? Probably not, because obviously the NCAA is going to do what the NCAA wants and what's going to be beneficial for the NCAA. But do I feel as though that's a great idea to keep? You know things tied in. I mean, we—I don't even think the NCAA knows what they're going to do with the NCAA tournament at this
1: point. I think they're—they're they're still oh, not absolutely. sure. Absolutely, I completely agree that they have no idea what's going to happen, and that's what. There's no way that they have any idea of what's going to of what they're going to do. And so, not for nothing, it makes it fun for us, funner for us, Gary, because the next few weeks, you and I can go back and forth about what we want to see happen and come up with cool little things and start a discussion. So yeah, with that being said. That wraps up our episode, but before we go, Gary, it's Super Bowl week. I think we got to give the fans what they want. What they want, we got to give them the we got to give them the Super Bowl projections, and not just the winner. We got to give them the favorite prop bets too. So I want your opinion. I'm making these up. As, I'm making the prop one of the prop bets up on my own. What is your What is your call? Heads or tails on the tip on the on the coin toss? Tails. So you're taking tails. So I guess I got to be that one to take heads. I get the first one on this one. Okay. Over, under a minute and 53 seconds on the anthem. I'm going to take the over. Um, then I have to go under, but I would take the over on that as well. All right, and now the big moment. Who you got winning the game, Kansas City or TB12 in Tampa Bay? Uh, I'm going to go Kansas
0: City over Tampa Bay. Final score, 35-28, to 28, Kansas
1: City. Tom, Ooh, Brady throws a, Tom Brady throws
0: a pick with two minutes left in the game.
1: Ooh, ooh! I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go. Tom Brady. He's gonna squeak it out. It's gonna be a. Re- it's gonna be a weird game. I got a weird score. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say thirty-three to thirty. And Gary, Gary, and I will post on our Twitter to uh, at Rody Baseline see what everybody else has got projections. But with that, we want to thank you all for joining us
0: yep on roadie baseline don't forget two games uh saturday against ums 8 p.m espn 2 and then at st louis wednesday on cbs sports network 9 p.m start time for that game we will chat with you guys next week make sure to enjoy the super bowl and as always go
1: (laughs) roadie